0: So my name is Sandy Asker. I'm one of the pastors here. And for those of you who have been around, you know that we've been talking the past two weeks about the challenges that we face nowadays, uh, and that there are things that Jesus offers us in instead. We've tried to point you to the hope that Christ has in the face of anxiety. Last week we talked about kindness in the face of hatred. Sometimes I feel like Rodney totally steals the sermon. So some of this was redundant. Thank God for Rodney. Last week, the the charge for us to treat others with kindness instead of hatred. Today, we're going to talk about the thing that the Beatles said we all need. The thing that finally at last has come along. Okay, we know where we're going. We're going to discuss the way that all of me feels for all of you. Do we know what this is? Uh, This thing has an estimated 100 million songs written about it. It's the one word I would not encourage you to Google for various reasons, However, likely it affects every aspect of your daily life. And it's also to what Jesus pointed us as the essential part of following Jesus. Anybody want to guess what it is? Starts with L. Love. Okay. This is the interactive part, everyone, even those of you at home, okay? Love. Why are we talking about it today? Why are we talking about love today? It's not Valentine's Day. It's because the world needs it, right? The world could use a bit more love. Instead of loving one another, instead what we're experiencing is what Ronnie talked about. A lot of division, some of us. Some of us have divisions in our own family. Our own families are broken. Our relationships are broken. Some of us maybe go to work in places where people are divided. Or we could just open up the news, right? The media just continues to tell us we are getting more and more polarized. Some of us are sensing division in the f- sense of COVID, Like, there are people that just don't feel comfortable coming out, and so physically, they've separated themselves from others. Or emotionally, we've gotten to the point, because of politics, uh, relational backgrounds, whatever it might be, we've just physically and emotionally separated ourselves from others. Now, this might feel like I'm poking the bear today. (laughs) It might feel a little uncomfortable. I hope, actually, it is uncomfortable. Some of you, however, are going to be tempted to think, man, I wish so-and-so was listening to this message. And so I want to say today, would we all come with a spirit of humility, as I have tried to have as I read 1 John 4 this week? Would we invite God to speak to us and change our hearts? So would you pray with me for a moment? God, as we come to your word today, would we be able to lay aside our own agenda, our own emotions, even our own backgrounds, where it comes with division? Father, as we might have a particular heart, uh, hard relationship in our life right now, God, would you speak to us? If we are feeling particularly isolated, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you use your word today to help us to be more like you, Jesus? Amen. So we're going to be in First John. First John is a letter written to a church that was experiencing division. If you can imagine a church where there were some people who didn't agree with others. Can you imagine? I don't know. It was a long time ago. We don't do that anymore, right? Okay, so they were having problems in their church. They were dividing, and it was getting so bad that they were splitting off to create other churches. And John, the author of 1 John, is calling them back to love. So we're going to start in 1 John 4 at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, so let's just pause right here. The word love is going to be repeated about 15 times in these verses that I'm going to read today. So we better know what we're talking about when we talk about love. The Greek word for love, agape, means affection, goodwill, looking for the good for the other. It means a kind of sibling or family type love. It's not concerned with the self. Instead, it's concerned for the greatest good for the other. It's not an emotional kind of love, like, wow, I love this licorice right? It's not just a frivolous response to something, but it's it's a conscious choice where our wills are involved, okay? So verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I love this, that First John seems to be speaking to those people who don't understand it or maybe who have forgotten it. Do you ever have times where you're like, does God really love me? Like, yeah, he kind of loves everybody else, but is that love, like, is it really for me? First John tells us that God proves it. He reminds us that he loves us as he showed it through Jesus. The Father sent the Son for us. And that is the good news. It's the good news that Rodney and Alex just talked about. And for some of us, we've heard it. We could even have a show of hands, right? If I said what the good news is, have you heard it before? Maybe everyone in the room would say, sure, I've heard this before. And if that's the case, I want to remind you that it truly is good news. It is okay to be reminded. I love hearing more and more good news. And I also want to remind us that there are those of you listening at home, in the room, where maybe it's just never quite clicked for you before. And this might be the day where you could hear it with fresh ears. So unfortunately, the good news starts with the bad news, okay? The bad news is that I think, again, we can all agree on. There is division in the world, right? There are things happening right now on the planet that are not the way that it's meant to be. I don't have to sketch this out very much, but I want you to know that as, as we respond with this, wheat. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's exactly how God responds to it. God looks at it and says, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't what I intended. In fact, God's story tells us that he created all of things to be in right relationship with each other. He created a world where we would know that God loves us, and we had a loving relationship. And the humans that lived together were to love each other. And in fact, the way that they were to live on the planet would show love and care for creation and all of it worked together in harmony, and it was created for good. However, humans decided not to choose love, not to listen to God, not to love each other, and even the way that they treated the earth, it was damaged. They were damaged by evil, and we live that out too today. If we had lived in the garden, I'm afraid we probably would have done the same thing, right? We don't choose to love others, we choose our own way instead of God's. And 1 John says this, God sent Jesus to show us his love so that we might live. Because when we don't choose love, and we only choose to live for ourselves, there's a death that happens, not just in the spiritual sense, like my life is kind of soulless, but also in my relationships with others, right? And we feel that death. We feel that division that leads to death. So when God showed, sent Jesus, Jesus' whole purpose was to show an authentic love, a love relationship with God and with others and the earth. Jesus lived his life to point to love. And then when Jesus died on the cross, it's sort of like a mind picture. That's a little bending, like it's a mind bender, right? But somehow, because he was the creator, Jesus was able to take all of that evil, the implications of the hatred and the division, and somehow he like loaded it on himself and he took it to the cross, and he died. The brokenness of the world, Jesus allowed that to to break him. But the good news is that that's not the end of the story, right? The good news is that the brokenness did not have the last word. Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he killed the effects of the brokenness. He broke the power of the brokenness and the division, and he gave us a way to be one again, to have a love relationship. And not only does he offer that to us and say like, okay, we're good, Brian. He sends us out into the world to heal in a world that desperately needs it. Back to 1 John 4, verse 11. Beloved, since God so loved us, remember what he did with Jesus? Remember how Jesus interacted with people? Because he did that. We ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I literally feel like I could preach on these two verses for the rest of the day. There's so much in here, but just a few things. Number one, God invented love. That's a theme that goes over and over in first John. This is not like our idea, right? <laughs> God made up love. He defined it. It's his. And we learn from him how to do it. So if you think about the story of the Bible, think about this God. This faithful God, even though Israel was unfaithful. This long-suffering God. This patient God, when you think about people like David, who screwed up again and again. This loving God who empowered Esther. This like nobody young girl who would come and stand up for her oppressed people. The rescuing God, when the, when the Jews were slaves in Egypt and they cried out to God. He rescued them. And then in the person of Jesus, who took children on his knee, healing the lepers, sitting with Mary and Martha, and then raising people from the dead like Lazarus. So the author says, since we've experienced this ultimate love, we get to share that with one another. I read this week, we are never closer to God than, we are loving, than when we are loving others. We are never closer to God than when we are loving others. 1 John also says that God is invisible. Nobody's ever seen God, right? And it sort of intimates that if we love one another, we get to reveal who God is. We get to reveal an aspect of God to those who cannot see him. Don't we long to see God like in the flesh? You read the stories about Jesus and you think, man, I wish I were there so I could actually have seen it. Well, guess what? We get to make God visible. Is that ridiculous? That's ridiculous. We get to have a part in making God visible to a world. And doesn't the world need that today? Verse 17. This is how love is made complete, among us. Again, ridiculous that somehow we can have a part in making his love complete so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The promise seems to be here that once we fully grasp that God loves us, we don't have to be afraid of anything. And when we are without fear, I think it allows us to love others better. There's a lot written out there right now in the divisions. And when we're interacting with people who are different than we are, sometimes what happens is we get afraid, don't we? If we are confident in our relationship with God and we have no fear, even on the day of judgment, man, can't I have a conversation with anybody then? If I have that security with God. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their sister or brother, whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Could he have been more clear? He repeats it over and over again. We are to love one another. And again, context is this is written to a church. This doesn't mean you can treat everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus like garbage. That's not what it's talking about. But 1 John is dealing and tackling with a problem that is happening among believers. We have a chance to show love to one another, revealing God to one another. And don't you think that that's going to like spill out into the world? We may be experiencing the same division that this church was back then. People who are deciding, we don't quite agree theologically on whatever said issue. Maybe not an essential issue, maybe a non-essential. And we are experiencing this division. We might be experiencing division as we talk about COVID in our families. Whether or not you're wearing a mask. Are we going to do mail-in ballots? Whoever knew mail-in ballots would become such a controversial topic, right? We could talk about homeschooling. We could talk about immigration. We could talk about any matter of things, including the Breonna Taylor trial or trick-or-treating, and we could end up feeling divided after the conversation. First John tells us to avoid the divisions and to choose love. So how can we do that? Alex and Rodney stole my sermon, as I said. <laughs> Point number one that I wanted to make is find commonality. We who believe in Jesus... The essential tenets of the faith, we can agree on. God created us for good. We've been damaged by evil. Jesus was sent to show us the way. And we have been sent out into the world to heal. The answer is always Jesus, isn't it? Like in Sunday school. Talk about what you're reading in the Bible. What are you studying? What is First John speaking to you? And then how about prayer? There's a group of Christians that have gathered starting yesterday for 40 days of prayer before the election all over the country. There are kind of different ones. I've I've realized there's not just one big movement. There are a lot of them. What if we prayed about COVID? What if we prayed about the trials? What if we prayed more about these things? The church has lasted over 2,000 years, outlasted tons of divisions because there have been brothers and sisters who have focused on the essentials. So number one, can we find the things that we have in common? This just doesn't have to be within the church. This can be you're having a conversation with anyone. Can you find something you have in common? And then secondly, could we learn to be okay with being different? First John outlines the essentials. Jesus. Jesus is sent for the atonement of our sins. I'm not talking about universalism. I'm not saying whatever you believe is okay but I am saying, are there things within the church that we can say, okay, we, we believe differently about that. It is okay. I have a joke. There's a particular theologian I have a hard time with. I joke, he's probably going to be my neighbor in heaven to remind myself that ultimately we are in the same mission. Differences are even celebrated when you look at the scriptures. Okay. Think about 1 Corinthians 12. When we talk about spiritual gifts, Don't we say, oh, hallelujah, there's somebody else who loves to do that because I don't like that. Instead, we see that it's a gift to the church. It is celebrated instead of providing reasons to say, well, all of you who are good at this, we're going to put you over here. And all of you who are good at this, we're going to put you over here. Oh my gosh, we need to be together. Otherwise, we're not going to function like the body is supposed to, right? Be okay with being different. And then lastly, again, in that section where it talks about spiritual gifts, Paul in 1 Corinthians says, if one part of the body suffers, the whole part suffers. So when we look around and we see division, we see all of the opportunities for us to be unkind or hateful. What if we lament it? What if we join God in how looking at it and we say, this is not the way it's supposed to be? Paul says, when the body is together, the hand doesn't say to the eye, I don't need you, and divides itself. Instead, when one part suffers, I'll suffer. These are the things that maybe are not comfortable to hear, but I think it's true. Our brothers and sisters of color are suffering, and they are grieving. And even if I don't fully understand it, I cannot say to them, I don't need you, or I don't see you. I have friends that live out on the West Coast who have not been allowed outside because of the wildfires. And they are grieving. And I wanna join them in that. There are those who do not have jobs right now or who are struggling because of how the economy has taken a turn, and they are grieving. There are pastors and leaders of our church that are struggling to try to figure out how to preach messages or offer prayer to unify those of you who are listening today. And sometimes we are grieving. When we look in our own hearts, would we lament and confess to how we have contributed, how I have contributed to the division? And would we look at the church and say, God, have mercy on us. Forgive us for how we have contributed to the division. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus today, I lament that I have not been faithful to always be a loving member of the church. And I want to say to all of us, when we forget how to love, There are beautiful words in scripture to cast a vision for what it could look like for us to love one another. And in 1 Corinthians 13, there's a classic section that defines love. And I'm going to read the message version for us today. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, never looks back, always looks for the best but keeps going to the end. I want to be loved like that. Don't you? Doesn't our world want to be loved like that? These are trying days, and I think that God, when he showed himself through Jesus in a sacrificing self, self self-sacrificing way, gives us a great challenge when we think about how to live how to live in these days God help us amen